If you own a radio or have driven a car with a radio anytime in the last 35 years, you probably are familiar with the song, I Want to Know What Love Is. It was written by a guitarist and songwriter from the UK named Mick Jones. And he recorded it with his band, Foreigner, and released it in November of 1984. And it very, very quickly became popular because it stood out from everything else that was on the radio at that time. It had a vocal performance by the New Jersey Mass Choir, a beautiful gospel choir, and also vocals by Jennifer Holliday, who was the star of the Broadway musical Dreamgirls. By the time it got to January 15, 1985, it had risen to number one on the UK charts. Two weeks later, at the beginning of February, it was number one here in the U.S. on the Billboard 100. You know, and right within that window of time is when my late first wife and I got married. We were married on January 19th of 1985, right at the time when I Want to Know What Love Is was the biggest song in the world. And it kind of became our song. It became a song that was very special to us and reminded us of the nature of our relationship. And it's a song that is, is special to me and brings a smile to my face even today when I hear it. Now you probably wonder, why are we starting a, a Bible lesson talking about a 35-year-old pop song? Well, there's a good reason for that because the reason I think that song is as popular as it is and has stood the test of time the way that it has is because its core message is one that speaks deeply to each and every one of us. We all want to know what love is. And we all want someone to show us as, as Lou Graham sings in that song. So, of course, long before Mick Jones and Foreigner recorded their song, God had already given us a, an instruction manual as to what love is, the, the Bible, his word. And there are literally hundreds of places that we can go in the scriptures to find definitions and examples of what love, true love, really is. But I want for the purpose of our conversation today to just focus on one example, one statement that God's Word provides for us. And it's in 1 John, the fourth chapter and the 10th verse. The Apostle John who wrote this particular letter is often referred to as the Apostle of Love because his writing and particularly this first letter that he wrote talks a lot about love and what it means and what it is and, and how to live it out. And in this first letter, again, in the fourth chapter in the 10th verse, he gives us a very particular definition. Listen to what John says there. He says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now that phrase that's translated in the New International Version of the Bible as atoning sacrifice is a word in the original Greek which John was writing in that we don't 
in English have a direct parallel for. We don't have a single word that describes that concept. The Greek word is hilosmos. And it literally means something that takes away anger. Something that's given so that someone won't be angry. Now, we may not have a word for that in English, but in our culture, we certainly understand what a hilosmos is. You know, particularly if you're in a relationship with another person, you know what hilosmos is. Hilosmos may take the form of a bouquet of flowers or a box of chocolates or a nice dinner out at a restaurant or perhaps a, a, an item of jewelry or for, for us husbands, sometimes it might be some extra honeydew chores around the house. It's that thing that you give to someone else at a time when things have been difficult so that they won't continue to be angry with you, so that their anger is done away with by the gift that you give. But what John is describing here is something very, very different. He's describing the sacrifice of Jesus, not as God giving something to us so that we wouldn't be angry with him, but God giving something of himself, buying, as it were, his own flowers, his own candy, his own dinner out, his own jewelry, in order that he wouldn't have to be angry with us and was willing to pay the ultimate price to give that gift. You see, that's the stark beauty of God's love toward us is that God, in the midst of his anger and his hurt and his deep disappointment and frustration with us for all of the foolish and hurtful and rebellious and disobedient things that we do, in the midst of all of those emotions, God paid the ultimate price so that he wouldn't have to feel that way toward us anymore, to remove those feelings of anger and hurt and disappointment and frustration with us, not by anything that we gave to him, but because of something that he would give of himself, the life of his precious son. And he gave that gift, that hilosmos, so that he could remove those feelings and could go on loving us. The question we have to ask ourselves is why would God do that? Why would God love us so much that in order not to be angry with us, he would give the greatest gift of all? Well, in order for us to understand that, we have to understand exactly how much we mean to God how very precious and special we are to him. Jesus in the 13th chapter of Matthew gave two examples that demonstrate this concept to us. In Matthew the 13th chapter, beginning at verse 44, listen to what Jesus says. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. 
And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he had found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. Now, sometimes when we read those two metaphors of Jesus, we think that it's talking about us and what we have to give up to be disciples of Christ. That when we find the, the glory of God's kingdom, that we have to sell everything that we have, metaphorically speaking, in order to obtain that. And there's, there's certainly some truth to that, but that's really not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about how precious we are to God and how much he wants to give us his kingdom that he was willing to sell the very best that he had in order to buy it for us. That very best being his only begotten son. Paul would say it this way in 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter at the 19th verse. He would say, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Let that just sink in for a moment as you think about it. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. God was willing to pay the very best that he had in order to have you to love and to hold and to honor for himself. That's how precious you are to God, that he was willing to pay that price in order to be able to love you fully and completely. Again, we find another reference to this in Peter's first letter, in 1 Peter, the first chapter at the 18th verse. Peter says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You see, God doesn't want flowers or candy or jewelry. He doesn't need dinner out. He doesn't need silver or gold, as, as Peter says. The one thing that would enable God to love us without anger and without hurt was the blood of his son. And it's by that blood, Peter says, that we are redeemed. Now, there's a word that we don't use very often today, that word redeemed. But when I was very young, you know, when you went to the grocery store and you bought groceries, in, in, along with the change that you got back when you paid for your groceries, you got something that was called trading stamps. And depending on where you lived in the country, these trading stamps took various forms. There were S&H green stamps and blue chip stamps and top value stamps. There were a lot of companies that were in the stamp business. But you got these stamps when you bought food or other items at the grocery store. And the grocery store would give you little booklets that you could paste the stamps into. 
And when you filled up one book, you'd go to the store and get another one. And over time, you would fill up a lot of these little books with trading stamps in them. And there was a store that you could go to called a Redemption Center. And you could take all of your full books with stamps in them to the Redemption Center and you could trade that for something of value. Depending on how many stamps you had, it might be something small like a, you know, a kitchen appliance, like a toaster, for example. But if you collected a lot of them over a great deal of time, you could get things that were of great value, refrigerators and, and stoves and all kinds of expensive items. And that was called redeeming your stamps. It was trading something that you had for something of value. Peter says we have been redeemed, traded that is, for something of value. And that something is the precious blood of Christ. And God was willing to make that trade because that's how much he loves us. And we also have to understand that, you know, we didn't deserve that. It's not because you and I are just such wonderful people in and of ourselves that God couldn't help but give everything that he had for us. No, it really isn't that way at all. In Romans, the fifth chapter at the sixth verse, the apostle Paul says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ got, died for, notice, the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God was willing to buy his hilosmos, not because we were worthy, but in fact, at a time when we were ultimately unworthy of his love. And yet God loved us so much that he was willing to make that trade to redeem us to himself so that he could have us to love Without, hesita without hesitation and without reservation. That's a powerful thing to think about, isn't it? How greatly God loves us. And we see that love personified in Jesus himself. Peter again in 1 Peter the second chapter at the 21st verse would write this. He says, for to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, 
but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Christ set an example for us, an example of love that we could follow, an example that allowed him to be so submissive to the will of God that he was willing to suffer, to be tormented, to be humiliated without response in order to fulfill God's plan of love for us. In order, as Peter says, that we could die to sin, but notice the second part, live to righteousness. And that, you see, is how we use the example of God's love as embodied in Christ, is that we respond in love by doing those things that Christ has taught us and exampled for us. In Jesus' own words in John the 15th chapter at the 12th verse, he said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one lays down one's life for one's friends. You know, we often stop reading right there when we read that passage. You know, greater love has no one than this than one lays down one's life for one's friends. But I want us to notice the very next words that Jesus speaks. The very next sentence that he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And that's an important thing for us to understand. Just as God's love is demonstrated to us by his action, his willingness to not just talk about how much he loved us, but his willingness to do what love required, even to the sacrifice of his son. That if we want to respond in love toward God, there's only one way that we can do that. And that's to do the things that he tells us to do in his word, the things that he sent his son into the world to example for us and to instruct us in. You know, Jesus spoke those words on the night that he was about to be betrayed into the hands of those who would crucify him. And he spent a lot of time on that evening talking with his closest friends, his nearest disciples, about this concept of love and what it means. Earlier in that conversation, if we go back to the 14th chapter of John, notice three times Jesus makes essentially the same statement in three different ways. In verse 15 of the 14th chapter of John, he says, If you love me, keep my commands. And then in the 21st verse, he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And just two verses later in the 23rd verse, he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Three times Jesus equates our love for him by our willingness to do the things that he says for us to do. And certainly we see that in the example of God's love, do we not? That God didn't just talk about how much he loved us. He didn't just send us a love letter or write us a love song. 
to express his feelings toward us. God took the greatest of all loving actions. He bought his own hilosmus. He bought the thing that was necessary to remove his anger over our wrongdoing. He was willing to pay with the life and the blood of his son to show us how much he values us and how much he loves us. What are the lessons that we take away from this? Well, there are many that we could, could, could walk away from this lesson with, but I want us to consider two points as we close. First of all, understand this. You have tremendous value in the sight of God. God loves you so much that he was willing to pay the greatest of all prices in order that he could be in love with you. That is to say that his feelings of disappointment and anger and hurt because of the things that you've done and that I've done in our lives, that he could put those feelings away forever because he paid the price to remove that anger with the blood of his son. We have tremendous value. You have tremendous value to God that he was willing to do that for you. Understand that, know that, embrace that. That no matter who in this world tells you you're not important or that you're not valuable or that you don't have anything to contribute, God loves you so much that he sacrificed his son to love you. That's how precious you are. And the second thing is this. If you understand how great God's love is for you, your loving response to God's sacrificial love should be to walk in love toward him in the footsteps and the example of his son Jesus. Jesus came into the world not just to give his life in order to redeem us, but as we read in 1 Peter, he also came to be an example to show us how to live a life that reflects the love of God. And if we truly understand how greatly God loves us, all the more should we want to walk in the steps of Christ toward God so that we reflect that love into the world around us by the way that we love those that we come into contact with. As you go about your week this week, think about the greatness of God's love. If you've ever heard that song on the radio, I want to know what love is, and thought, yeah, I really do want to know that. Know this. What love is, is God loving you so much that he would give his son for you. And if you know that and you see that and you understand that, walk toward God in love by walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. 
Maybe as you sit home today, you, you're, you're not quite sure how to do that. We would love to share a conversation with you and share study with you that would help you to understand that better if you need that. If you go to our website, lakemercedchurch.com and contact us, we would be more than happy to, to talk with you and to share with you from God's word the things that it means for you to walk in love toward God and the example of Christ. And we would, we would be delighted to share our own experiences of walking in the love of God and understanding how precious that is if you give us that opportunity. I hope that as you go through your week, you'll think about the fact that you do know what love is because you know God through his word and you know how greatly God loves you. May God bless you this week.